Hey, listeners, ever have trouble getting someone on the phone when you have a question about your credit card? With 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person any time, day, or night. Yes, you heard that right. You can talk to a human on the Discover customer service team anytime. So the next time you have a question about your credit card, call 1-800-DISCOVER to get the service you deserve. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. The best part of spring cleaning is the post-clean clarity you get. It's kind of like when you find out that you've been paying a fortune for wireless and then Mint Mobile has phone plans for $15 a month when you purchase a three-month plan. It's time to switch to Mint Mobile. All plans come with high-speed data, unlimited talk and text, delivered on the nation's largest 5G network. Use your own phone and any Mint Mobile plan and bring your own phone number along with your existing contacts. Ditch overpriced wireless with Mint Mobile's limited-time deal and get three months of premium wireless service for 15 bucks a month. My team here, they're on Mint Mobile, and they like it. For a fraction of the cost, Mint Mobile proved to have excellent coverage with no drop calls or unsent texts. Plus, they make it super easy for me to activate my device just by following a few simple steps online. And bam, done. To get this new customer offer and the new three-month unlimited wireless plan for just 15 bucks a month, go to mintmobile.com slash literally. That's mintmobile.com slash literally. Cut your wireless bill to 15 bucks a month at mintmobile.com slash literally. $45 upfront payment required, equivalent to $15 a month. New customers on first three-month plan only. Speeds slower above 40 gigabytes on unlimited plan. Additional taxes, fees, and restrictions apply. See Mint Mobile for details. Oh, I got goosebumps. Oh my God, look at him. I have to go see my dermatologist. I'll be right back. This is so good. <laughs> <laughs> Hey, everybody. Welcome to Literally, the great Sammy Hagar, Cabo Wabo himself, Mr. Van Hagar, great solo artist, took over in Van Halen in the 80s. Why Can't This Be Love? Probably my favorite Van Halen song. And he's announcing a insane new tour, which I will let him talk about. And, uh, and then we're, we're going to go down a wormhole. I'm just, I'm just saying there's a wormhole coming. It may not be for everybody, but it's very much for me. Get ready. When, what, do you remember the last time we uh, saw each other? I, I was racking my brain. Yes, sir. I man. do, Rob. Now, see, I, you should have a better memory than me, young man, but. Okay, we were on an airplane going to Maui, my wife and I, and you were on the, on the same plane. With, and um, we had about, probably took about an hour before we 
both had enough nerve to approach the other person. I don't know who approached too, but I think you were coming out of the bathroom. I was going in or something. We had no choice but to yeah. have a conversation. <laughs> oh, hi, Rob. You know. Anyway, we 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 talked for a long time. It seemed like and very friendly. I I really enjoyed you. I remember going back to my seat saying, "Wow, he's really a nice guy." You know. But did we ever meet out in Malibu in the old days when? Well, that's one. Of, I have so many questions to talk to you, but one of them is we did not. Where did you live in Malibu? Uh, on Broad Beach Road. Eddie and uh, Valerie yes. lived here, and there was a house between us, and I lived right here. Like, we, we were right there towards the end, right before it comes back on PCH. So, I mean, listen, you know how everybody has, like, a novel in them or the great song they're chasing? My, <clears throat> my thing, if I can ever do it, is to do a story of what it was like to grow up in Malibu during the time I grew up there because Neil Young was recording uh, Zuma at a house on Point Doom. Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, Bob Dylan was secretly buying up land to build his complex. Mick Fleetwood, you would see, mostly passed out, I hate to say it. Um, yeah, those down days. At the tra- <laughs> at the but I feel like that era was a little bit earlier than you and Eddie were living on Broad Beach. Yeah, I... I, I don't know when Eddie and Valerie bought their house, but it was Valerie's house, you know, and, and Eddie. Uh, so I don't know how long she had it, but but I came in when I joined the band. So that was like 85, to the end of 85, 86, you know. Uh, I bought it as soon as I joined the band. I, I said, you know, we just said, man, we're going to do this for a while, and I don't want to travel back and forth, and I don't want to stay in a hotel. So he goes, there's a house right next door to me that came up for sale, and and I bought it. It was like... Very spontaneous stuff. But Malibu was really cool. You're right. I mean, you know, all the Brat Pack lived right down below me. There was, you know, a couple of houses right below us, if I remember right. The, yeah. she- the Sheens. That was the Sheens, I think. Emilio lived there yeah. on, on right on that beach. And um, that's right. And uh, and Ali Sheedy was renting right next to, would have been you guys for yeah. a while. Yeah, I pity the poor guy that lived between Eddie and I. Oh, oh, man, because <clears throat> on my deck, in my bedroom upstairs, and out of his, in Valerie's bedroom, he could lift up the window, I could walk out of my deck, and we could literally just yell back and forth to each other, hey, come on over, hey, what time are we got to supposed to be? And we were always having conversations across that deck, you know, it was before the old cell phone, so we were, you know, right. yelling and screaming, and uh, the poor guy in the middle, I, I don't know what, what, what they thought about all that. <laughs> what are you going to say? Hey, shut up, Eddie. Shut up. <laughs> yeah, I don't think so. Turn that, stop <laughs> playing that <laughs> damn guitar. <laughs> oh, we did a lot of that. You just announced uh, on Howard Stern uh, that you, you the big tour. It's on, like Donkey Kong. Yeah, you know, I haven't really done a real tour in probably 10 years. I, I go out and I play a couple shows a month with my band. I don't go out and not come home like I used to, you know, like mm-hmm. I just go out, pay two shows Friday and Saturday or something, come back just to keep my band together. Cause Jason Bonham, Michael Anthony and Vic Johnson, my guitar player who just, they're just too good. We don't have to rehearse. So I'd rather just pay them really good. So I don't have to start a new band if when I want to play, cause I would like to play, but I don't like to go on tour. But lately I'm, you know, looking at all these guys checking out Rob and I'm going, you know, I just turned 76 a couple of weeks ago, and I'm going, man, I I can still sing. I can still play guitar. I can still perform. I still got a great band. And I have the best catalog of songs with Van Halen, solo, Montrose, Chicken Foot in the world. I don't care. 
Paul McCartney's running a close second, I'm telling you. Yeah. <laughs> you got the songs, man. You do. Yeah. So I, I want to go play. I, I want to go do it. Well, I still can. Well, I can still sing. I, I don't want to wake up one morning a couple of years from now and go, wow, I should have done it. <clears throat> you know, I can't hit those notes anymore. Uh, so I, I'm going to do it. I, I booked a tour and I, I'm taking Joe Satriani out there with me. I think he's right. A legend. Now, now, he, now he's the best guitar player in the world. You know, right. He, he was number two there for a long time. <laughs> you know what I mean? Right. Yeah, yeah, so, exactly. He's the only guy that really understood what Eddie was doing. He understands it. He's a scholar. He he taught Steve Vai how to play guitar. He taught Kirk Hammett from Metallica how to play. I mean, he taught them how to play guitar. He's a teacher. He's a scholar. And so, because he knows what he's doing, uh, if I'm, I'm going to play a lot of Van Halen because there's nobody to play it, right? So I'm going to dig right. deep into the Van Halen catalog and play a little Montrose, you know, a couple Montrose songs, a couple Chickapit songs, you know, five or six, eight of my classic Sammy Hagar 55, Moss Tequila, One Way to Rock, Heavy Metal, I'm Falling Love Again. You know, you know, let's drive me crazy. Uh, you know, all that. And then I'm going to play a shitload of Van Halen. And and I need a guitar player that plays it right. If I'm going to go serve those people and say, hey, come and see this, you'll be happy because they got, they, you know, Van Halen, man. It's what a, what a shame that it's not anymore. The music will live on forever. So uh, we're going to go serve it up. And Joe, uh, he's, he keeps saying, give me a set list. You got to give me all the songs, not, you know, all the Van Halen stuff. And I'm going, Joe, I change my mind every day. You know, you want, which, you oh. want it today? I'll give you another set tomorrow. And he's going, you're going to kill me over here. And I, I just sent him five more songs that I'm saying, oh, you probably should learn these too. I mean, this guy's learning like 40 Eddie Van Halen. Oh, <laughs> yeah, no. Eddie Van Halen guitar solos. <laughs> I love him to Jesus. death, though, but he can read and write. You know, he can figure it out, and then he then he plays it with soul. So, yeah, I'm hard on I'm hard on musicians because I don't I, like to play the same thing twice. You know. Well, first of all, I, how how can you still sing? How did you, you know, so many people, you start trans transposing things down into lower keys and doing all of that. I mean, what do you attribute your vocal abilities to at this point? I never did that many drugs, and I never smoked, and all that kind mm -hmm. of stuff, and and I'm. I take my voice so serious that I I can't I just can't tell you I, I watch what I eat the day the night before the day before I have to sing I don't eat certain things I don't you know uh, eat shellfish I, I don't um, I don't eat spicy food you know things that uh, peanuts are something that I could possibly be allergic to you know and I I don't know I, I I've taken care really good care of my voice not. I, I don't sing proper, you know. I don't have to tell you, bro. You know the way I sing. I'm, hey! <laughs> I'm, I'm out there screaming, but I've never stopped and retired long enough to. I've been retired my whole life, but, but yeah. That's the that. Yeah, I never stopped. So I'm, that's what that's what Kenny <laughs> Kenny Loggins told me. Kenny, he's a great singer sing, too. Kenny's another guy that still he can just he can still sing, and he just said, "I never I never went off the road really." Yeah. Well, I, I don't go on the road that much, but like I said, I'll play two or three times a, a month and that's enough. And I warm up before, every time before I sing, I, I sing for three or four days around the house, which, you know, my family's not really happy about that because, yeah, yeah, because yeah, I have a screamer. Like, you know, like I said, I, well, you I have to, you know, I'm not one of those, ah, I'm not one of those guys. I, ah, no, you, <laughs> you know, yell yeah, and scream. And, and the way I warm up is it, it backstage as I yell at everybody as a joke. 
Oh, that's amazing. Yeah. I like this. This uh, is cool. It's the best warm-up on the planet for me because that's the way I sing. So I go, hey, somebody get me a Coke without ice. You know? I just don't know my my vocal cord. I just think any normal person's vocal cords would just explode out of their neck. <laughs> well, if you listen to Steven Tyler, myself, a couple other guys that sing this way. Yeah. When we talk, you know, we sound a little crusty. You know what I mean? I sound, <laughs> I sound like, and in the morning you'd be going, you sure you can sing tonight? I'd say, yeah, don't worry. Tonight I'll be fine. Early in the morning, it's tough. That Howard Stern stuff, oh boy. You know, hey, hey, you know, He's, come on at six o'clock in the morning, do a couple songs, you know? <laughs> six o'clock in the morning, brother. I, I'm, uh, I've been on the other side of the clock my whole life. You know that, right? So it's like. You rock and roll hours. Yeah, not so much then, anymore, but. I still rock it, sleep and in. Then, and then Maui hours on top of that. Well, yeah. Do you live I in mean, Maui part-time? I have, a, I have a little place on the big island. Oh, I, well, there I, you go. Well, that's I, love, I love Hawaii. I mean, I love Kauai. I mean, it's funny. When you really spend a lot of time there, it's all those islands are, are both the same and could not be more different I all agree. at the same time. Yeah. yeah, I like the big island too. It, it feels lonely to me, which I like. You know, you feel... Uh, like you're really, it's chill and you feel a real heaviness there. You know, Maui has kind of become kind of fun, 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 you know. Yes. Ka yeah, Kauai is, of course, deep and it just feels like so tropical. It just really feels like Hawaii. I mean, it feels like what you'd expect. But yeah, that's right. I, I love, I, I love the islands. God, I love it over there. The second I get off the plane, you go and you smell that air, you just get goosebumps. Yeah. I, I got goosebumps. I got yeah. goosebumps just talking just about think, it. Just I, talking how, about how it. How can you lie about that? No. And it, it just, yeah, it's really special. It's very there's healing. A good, there's a good um, group of, of guys over on Maui. Shep Gordon, you must know, um, yep. the mayor. Uh, <laughs> Mike, my buddy, Mike Myers uh, from Wayne's yeah. World and Austin Powers made an amazing documentary. If you're listening and you haven't seen Supermensch. I'm in it. <laughs> you're in it. That's oh, right. Yeah. You're in it. Yeah. Um, the, I mean, you you know, I, I don't think anybody from show business can live in Maui without Shep's approval at this point. I mean, I think. <laughs> Sheps helped me start Cabo Wabo Tequila. When I, when I, you know, I, I built the Cabo Wabo with with Van Halen. You know, the, we all I built it. They came in and then they got out after we lost money for a couple of years. And I started making tequila. And Shep Gordon, I called Shep, who's been a friend since Montrose '73. He was going to manage Montrose, but wow, um, so, uh, Ronnie didn't like him because he smoked weed and he wore a sarong. <laughs> <laughs> Back in 72, <laughs> 72, Shep was smoking a, a joint in a Warner Brothers office in 72, right there in front of God and everybody, wearing a sarong, an old funky t-shirt, stoned on his ass, <clears throat> and asking us, what do you guys want to be, rich or famous? And I went, why not both? <laughs> yeah, why not Well, both Shep, is the he's, answer. he's got a big brain on him. He's going, well, Alice Cooper, who he managed and still does, he said, you know, we spend a lot of money on being famous. You know, we spend a lot of money on big production things and pulling stunts in towns and, you know, dropping thousands of pairs of panties from a helicopter over the audience, you know, and playing an outdoor festival, you know. And he goes, that stuff's expensive, you know. And so we don't make as much money as you think. I said, well, I want to be rich and famous. That's all I can tell you right now, you know. And uh, But anyway, so Ronnie didn't like him, but I became friends with Shep way back then. And, and he... Uh, yeah, anyway, he helped me start the tequila. I said, Chef, I got this great tequila. I've never had tequila in my life that tastes this good. And what do I do? 
And he goes, well, let me make some coffee. No, he said, send me some. So I sent him a bottle. He, he said, I don't know nothing about tequila. He said, but Willie likes it. So Willie oh, Nelson, boy. Right? <laughs> Oh, boy. He said, wow. Willie, Willie said it was good. I said, okay, well, Willie knows his stuff. Yeah, he so, does. Yeah, so Shep made a call and a couple calls and somebody called back. And next thing I know, I was in the tequila business. And boy, do I like that business. It's, a, it's been very nice, very good to you, right? Yeah, everybody's in it now, so it's kind of diluted. But but boy, back when I started in 88, you know, 80, yeah, around 88, it was like, there was nobody but me. <laughs> I, I was like, that's right. Hey. I, I remember when you opened Cabo Wabo, every girlfriend, and this is the 80s, every girlfriend I was trying to date that weekend was like, I'm going to Cabo Wabo opening. I was like, what the hell's going on down there? I got to get in on this. I just got back. <laughs> we do it every year for my birthday in October. You know, I, I, for my birthday, I play a bunch of nights and people come from all over the world. The fans, it's it's like the Super Bowl of Cabo, you know, of, of, yes. of birthdays. And, and it's like, it's the most fun I ever have in my life every year. It's like, okay, what was your favorite moment? Oh, my birthday. <laughs> you know, it's like, you selfish, you know, boop. <laughs> no, it's well, not selfish. Well, what is, what was your, what's your, I mean, listen, Chickenfoot, Montrose, your solo career, Van Halen, post Van Halen. You've played all over the world. What's your first of all? Let me ask you this: What was your favorite big festival you ever played? Whoa! I don't like big festivals. So, tell me why. The, the least, the least terrible experience I had. The, in a what big, was the least the, the, the terrible <laughs> festival? Yeah. <laughs> I'd have to say my favorite festival is Texas Jam back in the in the seventies oh, and eighties. I played Texas Jam. I from the beat. I, I opened. In 76, 77, I opened a Texas Jam, and I headlined one in 83, and I headlined three with Van Halen, and it, it, it was just, those were fantastic. I don't know what it was, but Texans is a yeah. great, it's a great rock and roll state. It's you know a what Texas I mean? Jam, man. Yeah. It's the title says it all. Yeah, and that was before all these big festivals, but that happened every year, you know, and yeah. um, I remember one year, the last time I wasn't the headliner, I was second on the bill, and Ted Nugent was under me. And it, uh, it was Styx was headlining, and they had an album out called Mr. Roboto. If you ever talked to Tommy, or, okay, have you heard I the story? I, I, no, but 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 Mr. Roboto is a very. I've spent a lot of time on this podcast talking about Mr. Roboto. Oh, there you go. A lot. So tell me your story, and then we have to talk about Mr. Roboto. Well, me. we did Houston, Dallas. I was. It was like uh, Triumph. Ted Nugent, Sammy Hagar, and Sticks, and you know the sold out the stadiums. Yeah, both amazing. of them sold out. Yeah, and so Sticks was promoting Mr. Roboto tour, and they had you know Mr. Roboto, and it was you know he was out yeah, there with him and you somebody got, a little cartoon you character. Have Mr. Roboto, yeah, Domori Gato. <laughs> you do know this stuff, Rob. Oh, You're killing me. So. I was really getting big in Texas at that time. I mean, I was ready to headline this show. I, I never opened it again, by the way. But it was like, uh, so Ted Nugent came out with me. I had these cars on stage that you know, I had a Trans Am and a, uh, it blew up and I jumped off it. And I went up in the balcony, up in the stairs, uh, upstairs, ran around the lights. I had all this production. <clears throat> and so we went out and just killed it. And for the encore, I came back with Ted Nugent, played Whole lot of Love. Oh. And and he jumped off of a double stack of marshals. I mean, I'm talking about damn near 30 feet. He jumped down to, to made his entrance. 
came oh. down, hit. We played a whole lot of love. We smashed, I lit a guitar on fire, smashed it. We had uh, blow up amplifiers, <laughs> fake ones, threw my guitar into the amplifier. It blew up. And I mean, Mr. Robata was exit music. It, it was like everybody, <laughs> that show was over. So the next night, Tommy comes into my dressing room in Houston. That was in Dallas. The next night, we were going to do the whole thing again. You know, he, he knew it. He comes yeah. into my dressing room and said, dude, I just want to tell you, you just did me the biggest favor in the world. He said, I just quit the band. This is my, la my last show with this band. He goes, I, I, I just want to do what you do. Ask Tommy about that. He, and he gave me a guitar, was signed, and it said, and he, he quit the band. That was it. That was it. And, 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 and Mr. Roboto, they came out and started the show. And what's his name? The, the keyboard dude that writes that nice, kind of, I mean, great songwriter, but um, yeah. what's, I forget his name. He comes and he sits down and he said to the audience, hi, kids. Whoo! That was a rough one. Oh, <laughs> so was hi, over. kids. He, he sat down with Mr. Roboto and he said, hi, kids. I want to introduce you to Mr. Roboto or something like that. And we're like going, after what we just did, it's like, oh, boy. So, Tommy, it, I helped him out, man. I helped the brother out. Where else can you go surfing and skiing in the same day? Or check out a world-class art museum and camp out under a brilliant night sky same day. Or hike through the redwoods and get a luxury spa treatment. There's only one answer. California. No matter where you go across this state, you will find a way to play. I, look, I love California. Um, and I have not yet surfed and skied in the same day, although I do do both. So that is on my bucket list. It's the most beautiful place in the world. Discover why California is the ultimate playground. Head to visitcalifornia.com to start planning your trip today. Transform your bathroom cleaning with Wet and Forget Weekly Shower Cleaner. You just spray today and rinse tomorrow for a no-scrub clean. With over 33,000 five-star reviews, this is your once-a-week solution to keeping your tub and shower surfaces sparkling clean. Available at Amazon, Lowe's, Menards, Home Depot, and Ace Hardware. Join thousands who have switched to an easier clean. Get your wet and forget weekly shower cleaner today and make your bathroom sparkle with zero scrubbing. So I came home to a little gift in my bathroom the other day from our friends at Harry's. To get what you want, you have to challenge the status quo and blaze your own trail. You know who challenged the status quo? Harry's. They saw customers getting ripped off by questionable products in the shaving industry and decided they had something better to offer. So instead of charging the same old ridiculous prices, Harry's found a way to make their beautifully designed razors, and they are beautiful, for a fraction of the price of the other big brands. Exceptional products, honest prices. That's Harry's. They have the highest customer satisfaction in shaving history and a no-risk trial. Don't like your shave? No worries. It's on them. Convenient subscription options that you can cancel at any time. And Harry's also has other self-care products that meet the same quality standards as their razors. Richly lathering, skin-softening body wash and scents like Redwood, Wildland, and Stone. And an extra high-quality, amazing-smelling deodorant for just five bucks. I love their stuff. I'm so impressed by Harry's products. All of it. 
all good. Don't settle for the status quo. Blaze your own trail with Harry's. Get started with a $13 trial set for just $3 at harrys.com slash rob. That's harrys.com slash rob for a $3 trial set. That's my favorite story ever because a lot of people say that which was, uh, worst songs ever written. People talk about it all the time. <laughs> Famously, are the, uh, hey, are mine on that list before you go? You are not farther. on the list. Whew. No, you're not on the wrist, oh, scared list. Me. But they will. A lot of people <laughs> think we we built this city is the worst song ever written. I don't agree. <laughs> um, and I I posit that it gets a bad rap. I had Bernie Taupin on the podcast last week who wrote partially wrote we built this city which a lot oh of i didn't know that yes and i'm saying are you fucking kidding me mr roboto is the worst song ever <laughs> ever 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 written uh, for sure and i but i had no idea that it also bombed on stage this oh is yeah very well i don't know about surprising. on their own shows but on texas yep. jam with ted nugent and sammy hagar on the same bill and triumph yep. which is another rock band it yeah. bombed. It, it, it literally, it, it ruined them. It ruined their career. I mean, they're great again. You know, Tommy's back in the band and, they, you know, but they, I bet you they don't have Mr. Roboto in their set. What do you want to bet? <laughs> I, I, <laughs> but now, there's a lot of bad songs out there from even from that era. Uh, yeah. Yeah, I must admit. There's some of them rock tracks are, you know, when they're talking about something really stupid and you're singing like it's really serious. I, that's that's the stuff that bothers me when I hear some of the '80s, you know, the, the I typical stuff, you know, where you're singing yeah. about something really stupid and acting like it's life and death. That's a hard one yeah. for me, I, you know. At, at my age, I wrote a couple of them, by the way. But well, you got everybody has to have their cherry pie or whatever the hell song. Um, are you by chance a Neil Young fan? I love Neil Young. I think Neil Young's one of the greatest songwriters on this planet. And my great thing that I like about him the most, well, the great thing I like about what kind of, uh, well, you you know what I'm Songwriter. saying. It's songwriter yeah. language, man. It sounded good. Yeah. It doesn't matter what it yeah, means. Yeah, there you go. You know what I was talking about. Yeah, I do. It, I love the fact that he can do something like, you know, Harvest Moon, uh, yeah. just the album. And, and then he can do the heaviest, freaking, you know, Gnarly hey, hey, correct. my, my. Yeah. I mean, he can be as dirty and down and grungy and nasty as anybody on the planet. And he kind of invented grunge, in my opinion. Uh, sure. The way he played guitar was very grungy, you know. Uh, he started that kind of... He was he was a Malibu guy. He was out at... He was um, at Broad Beach. Yeah. You know, so, uh, I was... Lying in a burned-out basement. Yeah. The burned-out oh, basement That's one is, of my favorite songs of his, by the way, after the gold rush. Oh. That burned-out basement is next door to Emilio's beach house. Wow, he claims, he claims, well, I claim that he's talking about seeing a UFO when he's saying, you know, he saw the silver spaceship calling. He is, and, and, and this, my friend, I cannot tell you, when I was going through my research on you, nothing made me happier. Oh, brother, I'm a believer. Nothing made me happier. I want you to tell everybody listening your story. Whew, which one? <laughs> all of them. Uh, no, the, the one. The one. The, yeah. the one. Because by the way, I am a total believer. I've I've scoured the... I did a, a, a TV show based on alien hunting and things like that. But your story is amazing. Yeah. Rob, the thing that made it so 
relevant today is because if you look at the time of it, it was like 1966 or 67, somewhere around there. There was no remote controls. You know, I had a TV with antennas. There was no satellite stuff. There was no remote. There was no computers. There were, you know, um, everything had a cord on it. Um, I yep. changed my TV with, you know, click, 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 you know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I'm laying in bed. Not, I didn't even know about astrology at this time in my life. I was, you know, 20 years old. So I was born okay. in 47, so 57, 67. So, okay, it was 67 then. Um, I was, I might have been 19, but anyway. Uh, so I'm laying there sleeping. Out of the blue, I feel like, oh, I'm, you know, like something's plugged into me. Like now I would say somebody's got a remote computer on me. They're, they're, they're zapping my brain. They're taking information out of my head or feeding me. At the time, I didn't know anything. I just go, man, I'm connected to some people that are in a spaceship. And I saw it. It was just, you know, the flying saucer with a little bubble on top. Just exactly like you would see in a cartoon. And they were 13 miles away. They were up on uh, Lyle Creek. And they were parked there. Two guys were in that. And they said, oh, he's waking up. Also, mental telepathy. There was no language. I, I wasn't even, but I, they said it. You know, they said, oh, I heard it in my head. I'm starting to wake up and go, oh, what's going on? I opened my eyes and my room, it was in the middle of that. My room was pure white. I mean, infinity. I couldn't move. And they shouted a numerical si- uh, numbers that was not from our numerical system. It was like, they're going, it was a freaking code. Like, you know, they they coded out. I had a code. They, they you know, Sammy Hagar had, bim, 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 bim. okay, there he is. Boom, boom, boom. Now he's gone, you know. And they went, it was like a cord came out of me. I felt it come up through my spine. It was like, and it just went, it's almost like I could see it, like a retracting cord. And it was, boop, that went away. And bam, my, my house was black. It was the middle of the night. And I was shaking. My heart was pounding. And it changed my life. I said, what was that? And I never even told a lot of people. I didn't tell hardly anybody. It was so crazy. The next day, I find a book in a, in a, in a trunk in an in a ugly old shed that was on my property. I had a rental house. It was a dump. And it was just an old shed. For some stupid reason, I'd lived there for maybe a year. And I said, I wonder what's out in that shed. Open the jam door. There's a trunk, old beat up trunk. Open it up. There was a book in there on numerology. And I became a nine freak. I read all about the number nine, how three nines are 27, seven and two is nine again. Every time you multiply nine, it comes back in a single digit. Every time you add it, nine and two is 11, it comes back to two. It disappears. And that, that intrigued the hell out of me. Well, now I know the nine, ninth dimension is what we see as God. What we think God is comes from the ninth dimension, period. That's where God hangs out, okay? You don't want to hang out with God? You got to go to the ninth dimension. We can barely understand the fourth dimension, you know, the clairvoyant thing, you know, where you can right. you kind of think, you just kind of see the future, or you, at least you know, like I know where my, ho- my other house is right now. I can see it in my head. I know where it is, but it might not be there, you know, but that's kind of like fourth dimensional stuff. We can handle that. Fifth dimension, that's where Jesus and the boys get to walk through walls and all that kind of stuff. You know, you have a good time in the fifth dimension, you know what I mean? Hey, good name for a band, too, by the way. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Yeah. <laughs> okay, that's enough. That's all I know. But Up, uh, up, and away. Uh, yeah. All this stuff has been re- being revealed now like crazy, though. You know, all these UFO stuff, man. You're seeing guys that have been in the flying saucers and technicians say, yeah, they put me in the damn thing trying to figure out how to fly it, you know? And people are going, what? Are you crazy? No, the guys are telling you the truth now. So now I know it was all it just computer. They, they, were, pro- they were probably from the sixth dimension 
sixth or seventh dimension. So you think they're from dimensions and not actual other planets? Oh, or yeah, both? No, both, both. Yeah, because in order for them to get travel, they have to go through a dimensional, you know, through wormholes and through black holes or whatever they do. You know, time and space warps, right. <clears throat> and and they they have to. Yeah, they're they're, uh, they're just six dimensional capabilities, you know. I think, and and you and and you're not asking for this, thinking of this. It's not like you're a science fiction freak. You're just a 20 year old kid laying in bed, dude. I didn't know about astro. I didn't know what birth sign I was at that time. I didn't. I I didn't care about. It. I became an astronomer, a junior astronomer. I went and got a telescope when I got some money. I read every book. I read. Uh, Teresa Morganum, uh, a new model of the uh, the fourth way, a new model of the universe by uh, P.D. Ospinsky. I started reading Gurdjieff out of the blue. People started, I started finding books like that. And, and I, it just, everything came to me. I didn't do anything. I had no control over my life ever since that happened. Everything just happened. Things came to me, you know, I'm driving down the street and some guy walks out in front of me. I say, hey, you know, what do you think you're doing? He goes, oh, nothing. Uh, hey, you ever think about blah, blah, blah? I'm going, no, wait, you got a minute? Yeah, well, let's talk. And all of a sudden I go, whoa, this guy just taught me something. I you know what I mean? That's the way my life goes. I'm like a, I consider myself being like an amoeba. It's like a, a, a one-dimensional animal. Like I just go along. And I get hot, and so I move towards cold. And I get cold, and I just move towards warm. I get hungry, and I eat. I get tired, and I sleep. I get horny, and I have sex. You know what I mean? It's like I don't, I kind of don't plan nothing anymore, you know? A a one-dimensional amoeba. There's the title for this episode. (laughs) Live live your life like an amoeba. But wait, but did you ever question what these beings wanted with you? You must have asked yourself that. What, I went through a period where I thought they programmed me because I cause was finding things. I was finding out things and I would have a vision and I would have an understanding about something. I, I was really good at math my whole life. And then I really became good at math. I could do math in my head like bam, bam, bam. You know, I could figure things mm-hmm. out really easy. I figure everything out mathematically. So I thought I got that from them. But now I think what I got from them, I was they it was so out of the universe of my universe that it inspired me it opened my mind i mean it's like guys that say they took you know a bunch of acid and they had this experience and it changed their life you know well it, that's it it did that to me it was cataclysmic it, it it opened my mind i thought about i just was thinking wow wow and i understood a lot of things and i started writing songs and i, I wrote a lot of space songs about that kind of stuff and when i heard that neil young song i thought oh man he maybe he had the same experience because you know, for a while there, I was becoming what I called a cosmic Christian, where I was actually so deep in it. I was thinking, Jesus, the return of Jesus is going to be in a spaceship. And it's like, and all the people that are, you know, the the organized Christians thing is, is going to be like, what? <laughs> and they're, you know, almost reject the next Christ, the second coming of Christ. It seems like, you know, I had this whole vision. I was going to write a movie about it, that the second coming is just some rock star dude like David Bowie, you know, uh, almost. Starman. Yeah. And then, and. And, and and then it was just going to be like, okay, we're all leaving, you know, uh, beam them up, you know, it's going to be on that dimension. But I mean, that's just fantasy stuff. I don't know what's going to happen, all that, but I do know that the world's in trouble right now. And I don't know what we're trying to do to this place or what, but they, we need some intervention from them fellas. They need to come down here and enlighten everybody instead of just you and I, you know what I mean? <laughs> I, I mean, I, I, this, <clears throat> your, your story I'm jacked is, up right now. I mean, you got me fucking it, on my well, But it's great. I love talking about this stuff because I have met a number of people who I trust implicitly, who I know very, very well, who have had experiences not like yours. Yours is an actual 
like as they say, close encounter of the third kind. Yeah, I've, I have people who've had close encounters of the first and second. Like the spaceship came up the street, everybody saw it. All my neighbors, we all looked at it. It went away. And like people I know well, not insane. What about your experience? Because here's what I think. I think more people have stuff like this than they know. Absolutely. I woke up. I woke up. Well, that's what I was going to say. What? Because what happens, I think, is people go, oh, that was a dream. Oh, that was a weird boy. That was a vivid dream. Uh-uh. Right? Like, what prevented you from just saying, screw it, that must have been an insane dream? Because I woke up and I caught him. And they acknowledged it. You know, they said, oh. He's waking up. We got a, you know, like I said, a numerical code. And and it just went, whoop, boop, and it would just pop, you know. So, so your sense of it is that had you not woken up, you might not have even remembered it. Probably not. I probably wouldn't have even remembered. And that's what 90%, I think, of the things that happen are. But for some reason, every now and then, they want people to know about it. It seems like they contact people and they contact them again. Uh, I don't know if you watch that series on one of these Netflix or something that where it's, man, it's crazy. They just interview all these guys that are hanging out with the, with the gray, with the grays and with the reptilians and all this stuff. I've heard the most bizarre stuff you could always hear. I, I, I'm, I know I'm preaching to the, to the choir, so I, I yeah, can say I, no, these I'm, I'm, I, I love all this stuff. Yeah. And best. I want to hear your story too. But the yeah. thing is, I, I, this one guy said something that just blew my mind. He was an uh, Air Force pilot. And he went into Area 51 or whatever it is there. And, and he said, it goes underground and there's a bunch of, uh, there's, you know, 30 stories and big warehouses under there. And he, they got about nine UFOs. Got them, physical ones, like 30 feet across. Uh, some of them, you know, small ones, like 30 feet's nothing. Some yeah. of them are, are bigger than that. These are just the little pilot crafts, I guess, like. Like when you got a big yacht and you have a dinghy, you know? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> These are dinghies. Right. Yeah. So uh, he said, they, they said he was, a you know, a, Air Force fighter pilot. So he said, you know, they wanted him to go in it and see if he could, you know, try to figure out how it operates. Because I guess when you, he said when he went in, well, first thing is that they have nothing. There's no, there's no instruments. There's no nothing. It's like this big piece of, like a, a mold of one piece and right. seats and stuff. But they do it. They, I guess sometimes they fly them with their mind. I mean, it's crazy. Yeah. So um, he goes, he said it was about 30 feet wide and he went in it. And he, it was like as big as a football stadium. That's this is my that favorite story. Story, look, I got goosebumps. Here we go again. Yeah. I can't yeah. help it. How about that, that story, Rob? Th- that story. There's something about that story. That story that, that gives me goose. Why? What? There's something. Maybe because we intuitively know it's true. Oh, it's true. Or have we? Or we've somehow <laughs> seen it. But but the notion that you walk into somewhere small, you you see it. You see the dimensions. It is what it is. It's a 30-foot container. You walk into it, and it's suddenly as big as SoFi Stadium. Yeah. Unbelievable on the inside. And he said he got so dizzy and so discombobulated that he said, oh, I got to get out of here. And he found out he was in there like for four hours or something. You know, he thought he just got in and got out. That time just went into a whole nother. It's, it's, they warp time, and they do all this stuff. It's just, you know, like I said, that's seventh. Six, seventh dimensional stuff, I think. That's, I that's, love all this stuff. Yeah, I, I mean, it, it, but have it, you had a, come on, talk to me, Chief. Have you well, had I'll, an account? I will, I, I will tell you the story and then you can be the judge of it. You know, the only thing I ever let interrupt my podcast, my dog. Take a minute now, please. Pet your dog while you learn about bark. 
the company dedicated to making dogs happy. Every month, BarkBox designs and delivers a whole new collection of toys and treats just for your best bud. Every toy is tailored to your pup's size and play style. From squeaky plush toys from BarkBox to ultra-tough, durable ones from Super Chewer. Every treat is made with yummy, healthy, all-natural ingredients like pumpkin and sweet potato. Each box is inspired by a new theme and comes with fun surprises for you and your dog. For a limited time, they'll double your first box of goodies for free. I love making my dogs happy. Love it. It's my favorite thing in the world. And my dogs are obsessed with their chewable toys. BarkBox offers treats to keep my dogs healthy and amazing new toys that keep my dogs entertained. To get your free upgrade, go to BarkBox.com slash Rob. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. If you've been listening to Literally long enough, you'll know that I am a big believer in getting the help you need. Therapy has been a big, big, big part of my life and something I think we should be all doing as needed, just like checking the oil on your car. I've spoken about this and we all carry around different stressors, big and small. We keep them bottled in and it can start to affect us negatively. Therapy is a safe place to get the things off your chest and to figure out how to work through whatever is weighing you down. If you're thinking about starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire and get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists at any time for no additional charge. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash Rob Lowe today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P, dot com slash Rob Lowe. I love fast cars, but there aren't a ton of high-performance EVs. They're certainly out here there. But when I when I get a chance to get behind the wheel of one, it's I love it. And I was blown away by the Kia EV6 GT. When you get behind the wheel of the Kia, it, it is literally like being in a state-of-the-art rocket ship, but also comfortable. The thing goes from zero to 60 in 3.4 seconds. It is the premium driving experience. And of course, it's an EV. So the climate thanks you. SiriusXM provides access to over 165 channels in the vehicle. Music, sports, news, comedy, yacht rock. Let's go. Little little steely Dan going in your Kia. Come on now. So check it out today. It is the all-electric Kia EV6 GT. I had a blast checking it out. Believe me, you should do it yourself via kia.com slash EV6. To learn more, that is kia.com slash EV6. Kia, movement that inspires. This is, I, th- I think I'm guilty of what I say happens to everybody where I've, I try to rationalize it. Right, so this was in the mid '80s. I was living in um, up Nichols Canyon in the Hollywood Hills. Yes, in those days, I did like to drink. So d- I'm going to tell you off the top: <laughs> was not drunk, was not drunk, was not high, sober as a deacon. Driving up to my house with my then girlfriend, 
the light, the entire night sky got illuminated white, like, like so bright that there were shadows everywhere. Like, woof. Wow. No, no noise. And I thought, oh, and I go, I've never seen anything like it before or after. And I thought, oh, something, again, the rationalization, something must have blown up. Uh, there must be a transporter, uh, tra- uh, an electrical something or other. I'm going to rush home. I looked at the, my watch. It was almost 11. I was like, I'm going to rush home to watch the news because this will be on the news. It lit up everything. Came home, watched the news, nothing on the news. Weird. Whatever. Put it away. Go to sleep that night. Now, I had a cat that I never let out of a certain area of my house because he had no claws. And I was worried about him getting out and, you know, and uh, getting eaten by a coyote. And I also had an alarm system. So I'm asleep with my girlfriend and I hear the door to that part of the house open. Opens. No one's there. It opens. Now I'm awake and I'm heightened. And then I hear something coming down the hallway towards my bed. And all I can describe it, Sammy, was it sounded like a mechanical animal, if, if, if that would make any sense. It sounded like this. <laughs> that's, that's what it sounded like. And now I'm like, I, I, my eyes are wide and my, my girlfriend wakes up and she goes stiff. So I know I'm not imagining it. My cat jumps off the bed and chases whatever it is down. I, listen, I don't know if it chased anything. My cat jumped off the bed and ran down the hallway into the living room where the sliding glass door was open, even though there was alarm on. It's open. I closed it. Something opened it. And it. my cat shot like a rocket across the, the yard and up over the fence and was gone. It had never been outside. And never came back? It came back and it, came, oh. it eventually came back. So we were so freaked out by that. <laughs> no shit. That we left that house to go to my, my other house in Malibu. We, we left that night. We go to the house in Malibu. And a few days later, I'm asleep. And I feel, um, you know, those little pen lights that you, people used to have on their little tiny, tiny little pen lights like a doctor would put in your eyes, right? Yeah. I'm sleeping. If Imagine if you put that over your closed eye, the way your eye would glow, that color you would see. I am sleeping and that happens. And now I'm awake going, somebody, something's shining something in my eye. That's weird. The next thing I know, I'm awake and I'm standing in another room of my house, looking out the window and everything's glowing red glowing red everywhere. And I go, oh, again, with, with the, we try to rationalize, I go, they must have put a filter on all of the outdoor lights. <laughs> and, and then I, I remember having that conscious thought. And then the next thing, zip, I'm back in my bed, the lights in my eye again. And then I don't remember anything above and beyond that. Those are my those are my two experiences. I don't oh, know what brother. the hell they were. I don't. I have no idea what that was. Oh, I do. You would totally be an examined, you know, examination. I think that the gray ones and 
the, the ones that are, for some reason, I, I hear that the gray ones are like what they call zippers. You know, they're just in a, in a thing that they're just a spirit. And they really like physical bodies. Like, you know, they're, they really want one so bad they made little uniforms that they cruise around in. You know what I mean? But they're just a consciousness. And I think it's the gray ones that are accused of that. And they like to check us out, man. They really want, and, and there's such a thing as a walk-in. Uh, I wrote a song in Van Halen, you know, in the first album called Love Walks In. And it's a metaphor about walk-ins that if you, if you're in a situation where you're in dire need, uh, sometimes, you know, um, near death experience or something, there's a moment where one of these guys, they, the energy can, you, they can exchange and you can be a whole new guy. You can wake up the next morning and, you know, look like the same guy and everything and act, kind of act like him. But, uh, you're a, a different soul, you know, that you get walked into and you make the, you make the deal. Mm-hmm. I believe all this stuff. I'm sorry. But Love Walks In, I'm going to put that song in the set. We haven't played that song since the 5150 tour in Van Halen. And it's funny because of what's going on. I want to sing that song and I want to tell the story on stage. You oh, know? you got to tell that story. That would oh, be amazing. Well, no, not that story. I want to tell the story of the this, song. Oh, hell, that yeah, story. Of Wait, well, I, yeah. I don't want to be like Mr. Roboto out there. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I got some redneck fans, you know, too, Rob. Yeah, you know? yeah. They're, they're like, I don't want to hear about the UFO with yeah. your damn Martians. Get out of here. You're damn nut. Man, Sammy went nuts, man. <laughs> yes, I did. But wow. You know, I, I really think those gray ones, they like to examine people. And, they, and Do you, you just, think that, that you think that was something? Oh, was hell something. yeah. Oh, hell yeah, man. They were shining lights in your eyes. You probably weren't even there. They probably put you back in the wrong room and then you went back to your bed. You know, they probably took you away. The my favorite is now that, you know, our government has officially acknowledged that they exist, and it was met with a complete yawn. Yeah, it, it literally. There, there are publications that never. I always thought that would be like a screaming headlines, and it just goes to show you where we, where we are. I mean, it, it, people are like, yeah, that, that, yeah, sure, of course, whatever. Next. Yeah, well, Rob, if you want to get serious about this show right now with me. I got to tell you, the whole world, I think that's what's going on. Like, we're still dropping bombs on people and we're still shooting people. People still, you know, raping and killing people. Uh, it's like some of us are going, how could you do that? You know what I mean? And so, so I, this planet is not as sophisticated, I think, as we think it is. Right. And, and, you know, you can put the evidence right in front of some people. They're not even interested that there might be some aliens in the, uh, coming from another dimension or from another planet, you know, another solar, I mean, another galaxy, or, you know, freaking another star. I mean, the thought of thinking we're the only people in the whole universe is so small thinking to say, well, don't you realize how big the universe is? I mean, that would be... Well, I by mean, the way, now, now... Now the, the the physicist will tell you that there are multiple universes. Exactly. Yeah. It's like it's not just you can't the even comprehend. The it's infinite. Yeah. How can you com- comprehend infinity? Well, I'm interested, but some people don't even want to know, and they don't even th- imagine that there might be you know people from other planets and planetary systems in the in the universe. To me, that's like scary. It's like I I don't know. I, I think we've all been put here by different alien creatures. You know, that's why. You know, just because you're born uh, this part of the world, you look and act like that and, and develop that language. Why? I mean, you know, it's like, wh- why is it so different? It's a very small planet. You know? Have you ever talked to the guy from Blink-182? No, but I will. You know, you, but you know who he is. He, you know, he, he literally quit the band to devote his life and his money to researching this. Oh, well, 
shoot, it's all he's got to do is watch some of these shows on TV and it's all revealed right now. Go hang out with some of those guys like yeah. Tim. What's his name? Tim. He's one of my favorites. He talks like he's kind of German. He wears a suit, got a little mustache. Yeah. And he, he can explain anything. You say, oh. I, um, I interviewed... Um I interviewed the guy who from Fire in the Sky, the famous abductee, Travis Walton. And his story was, un- I mean, his story is, un- they made movies and books and gone and on and on about it. And, you know, I sat face to face with him, heard his story. And yeah, the Fire in the Sky is about him. He was abd- abducted for, for um, a week. Um, but anyway, th- it, this is, I love that we went down this rabbit hole. I can't help myself. Don't ever, my, my publicist, when I get up, said, don't ever get sucked into that again. You were supposed to be talking about the tour. <laughs> I'm joking. <laughs> this is good stuff, Rob. It's our job to, to enlighten people. And it, it is. It yeah. is. It's 100%. It, it is our stuff. And, and everybody's going to go to the tour. Who doesn't want to? I mean, Satriani, I want to see him play because he's such a legend, but I don't think I've ever seen him play live. Um, oh, I mean, I, I know because I, I love music and I'm a, sort of a student of it. His reputation more than precedes him. And like what, you're right. Who else would you get to replace Eddie? Well, Steve there's guys. Who, who would you? There's a million guys that can learn his stuff and play just like him. You know, but they don't know what they're doing. So that's the difference. You know, a guy like Joe, he understands it and will do it the this like to perfection. Joe, <clears throat> here's how anal he is. We, in Chickenfoot, we did this live record. Uh, he had a solo that he did. It was like one of those. You know, Joe can shred. He's soulful too. Like Eddie was a soul player. You know, Eddie shredded a little bit, but but he wasn't like a guy that just shredded. You know, no, he he played licks that you could sing. Joe does the same thing. He can shred it, but he can also play really great melodies with soul. So Joe had this shredding guitar solo from one of our songs, and I think it was like, you know, like that that kind of right. a solo, right? <laughs> yeah. And he goes, yeah. "Oh, I hit a bad note." And I, he goes, we can't use that take. We're going, get out of here, Joe. He slowed it down. And I had to, you know, Pro Tools, right? He yeah. slowed it down and slowed it down. And it was like, boom. But and all of a sudden, it wasn't even a bad note. It just wasn't the note that was supposed to be played. Because in his right. head, he don't just shred. He plays every note. He knows what he's playing. So you get a guy like that playing Eddie's stuff. It's going to be as close to the real thing as possible. That's just the way I look at it, you know. And and Joey's a friend. I trust him. I love him. He's not an alcoholic. He's not a drug addict. He's a clean guy, and he's a good guy, and he's good, you know. And he's a bad mo. Boop. <laughs> and I'm so, I'm psyched. I'm psyched to when. Um, so give us the the tour day. It the tour starts. I think it starts like July 1st or something like that. And we have a few days rehearsal. We're, I'm going to build a big production. I'm going to try to make the production look like uh, the different eras I'm playing from. Like when I'm playing, I'm, let's say I'm playing a Montrose tune, Rock Candy or something. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to have it, it, it done, you know, with uh, probably with video and with uh, uh, drapes and stuff. You know, make it look like the old park hands, you know, like the 70s, you know. And then when I'm playing a newer song, We'll modernize it up. Like, you know, the last Van Halen tour, we had this really badass production. And so, you know, when I play something like Humans Being from the Twister movie soundtrack, uh, I'll, I'll want it to look like that movie. You know, so July I'm gonna, four, By the way, it's July 14th is your first date. 14th? 
July 14th. Gee, I was going to go back on the first, out back to Florida for the first date. I think it starts in Florida. Oh, that's all right. I'll still go. <laughs> you go anyway. <laughs> it's next year. It's next year. Like, like I was trying to tell Howard, on, on, I don't like keep bringing him up, but it's He's like, the best. well, yeah, but it's like, Howard, the tour is next year. We haven't rehearsed. You know, trying to get us to play all these songs that are, we, we haven't rehearsed. We just know each other and we know we can do it. We're going to get, you know, we're collecting information, but, uh, are you going to, can you please at least build a fake, like you build the fake amp that you d- destroyed, build a fake Mr. Roboto just for me <laughs> and we'll destroy Mr. him. Mr. Roboto. Domo. Uh, <laughs> Domo. No, but on the tour, so the, the way I plan on doing it is, like I said, I'm going to come out, we're going to open up with something really cool. I'm not going to give you the set list, that's for sure. But, uh, and then we'll go into like a couple Van Hagar tunes. Then I'll play, believe it or not, I'll play like a, a Roth tune that maybe I'll sing or Mike might sing, but there's going to be so many special guests coming out for this tour because of the, you know, the love for Eddie, all the guitar players yeah. in the world are going to come and join with Joe. But uh, then, but it, it, a lot of singers will come out and I'm going to get them to sing for the fans, you know, some of their first era stuff, you know, like, you know, ain't talking about love and, and you really got me and, uh, you know, Panama. I mean, those are great friggin' songs. And so, Dave can't even do them. <laughs> so right. we're going right. to do a few of those things. So I thought every now and then we throw a little one of those in there, play one of my hits. Okay. Hey, people, how's it going? Mix myself another margarita. I do drink on stage, by the way. Good. Yes. As Not in the should. daytime, only at night. Only at night. Yeah. They only come out at night, the margaritas. <laughs> <laughs> Amazing. <laughs> so anyway, then we're just going to kind of do that all night. Then Joe will play like one of his classic just show off like a mother, you know, like Eddie always took a solo. Well, Joe's not going to play Eddie's damn guitar solo, you know, his where he played Cathedral and Eruption and Spanish Fly and all that stuff in one one sitting. He's not going to play that. He'll play something like Surfing with the Aliens. There you go. Wait a minute. There you jo- go. Joe's a believer. Joe is an alien, by the way. I think he's a gray. I think he I'm a reptile. Be. I don't know what you all are, but I think I'm a reptilian. You're, Joe's you're a reptilian? Gray. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, you're a reptilian. Yeah. yeah. I, think I'm, I think I'm a Nordic. Ah, you might be. My wife is. I know I'm married to one. Yeah, I think I'm a Nordic. <laughs> I like them Nordics, man. They're, yeah, me they're too. They're good-looking folks. Yeah, yeah. exactly. <laughs> okay, let's see what else. Well, you know, yeah, and then Joe's going to do a, little, uh, a thing where he will show off like every a guitar player being jaw drop, eyebrows up, jaw yep. drop. You know what I mean? Yeah. That look. Yeah. And, and then, um, yeah, we'll just do that all night. <laughs> well, I uh, I will be I'll be there I'll be there uh, with bells on uh, dressed as Mr. Roboto, um, ready ready. For, <laughs> hey, I'll so use you, bro. When we play the form, you come down there in a Mr. Roboto suit, or you could come in a gray suit too. You could also have a zipper suit, you know, come yeah, out. I'm wearing the and, zipper suit. I do uh, a walk. What, what they love walk walks in. in. Yeah, love yeah, walks you, in. Yeah, love walks in. You can come out during that and be the. Uh, simply pulls a string that some kind of alien looks for the opening and simply pulls a string. Love comes walking in. Oh, I got goosebumps. Oh my God. Look at him. I have to go see my dermatologist. I'll be right back. That is so good. <laughs> Sammy, you're the man. I love you. You're the, the I, forgot, I forgot how much fun you are. There's nobody like you. And you're oh, yeah. the absolute greatest. Our people are going to exchange our information and you and I are going to be friends. Yes. This Hell is yeah. too, have, too stupid. We'll see a UFO together. We'll go for a ride dude, together, dude, man. We have, we have, and my, my kids saw one on the big island, but they pretend that they didn't. They're all over over there, like, man. My they, kids describe it to me. They, they, I said, what, what did you see? And they tell me, and they go, we think it was fireworks. 
<laughs> well, oh, okay. Yeah, it was in its own way. <laughs> yeah. All right, brother. This is great, man. Right on. Wow. We, that, that's the definition of cover, <laughs> covering a lot of ground. Um, I don't know what I'm more excited about. The new tour, the specter of him blowing up a Mr. Roboto on stage, or that I met another person who actually had an alien encounter, not just saw a UFO. Ironically, he never saw the UFO if you listened carefully. He was aware of the UFO. Anyway, um, that was fun. Really, I mean, you never, you, and that's why I do this. This is, I always like to talk about why I do this podcast. You never know what rabbit hole you're going to end up going down with the guest. And this was uh, <laughs> an unbelievable one. Ring, ring, what's that? Ooh, it's the lowdown line. Hello, you've reached literally in our lowdown line where you can get the lowdown on all things about me, Rob Lowe. 323-570-4551. So have at it. Here's the beep. Hi, Mr. Lowe. My name is Harinder from Edison, New Jersey. I've enjoyed your work on Parks and Recreation, Austin Powers, and other works, including Unstable. Anyway, I have a question for you. I was watching Austin Powers' International Man of Mystery and noticed you had a cameo in that movie that I didn't notice before. I later Googled this and found that on international viewings of that movie, that's when you can see the cameo. So my question for you is, what's your favorite cameo or what cameo have you made in a movie that was missed on the U.S. viewings of such works? Thanks so much. Enjoy the show. Hope you have Jimmy Carr on in future episodes. Thanks so much. Bye-bye. Ooh, Jimmy Carr. That's a really good idea. Thank you. Hey, team, make a note. Jimmy Carr. We got, in all seriousness, let's, let's reach out to him. Great idea. Thank you for that. You should help me produce this podcast. Um, well, that podcast, the, um, that cameo you reference in the first Austin Powers is the only cameo I've done that did not make it into the the final cut. And the reason for that is actually um, a great storytelling lesson that I learned um, from Mike Myers. And that is at a certain point in a movie, and it's usually around the halfway point, but beyond a certain point, let's say halfway, any joke, any story, any character, any scene, any tangent that doesn't directly move the story to its conclusion has to come out. At a certain point, an audience, even in a comedy, just wants to know they're moving towards the end. And that piece that I'm in came very late in the movie and is a tangent. Literally, it's the movie stops and becomes a tangent about a character you've never seen before, my character. So that's why it went out. And I learned a great storytelling lesson from that. Um, and you do see it in the, um, in the international versions. And uh, I'm trying to think if I ever had, I mean, I, I'm very fond of my cameo in Thank You for Smoking. Um, really good movie. And it's one of my favorite um, little appearances um, I've ever done. Thanks for the question. Thank you for listening. Um, don't forget to subscribe if you have not subscribed uh, yet. Um, 
please uh, tell tell your friends um, to, uh, to check out the podcast. And I'll see you next time here on Literally. You've been listening to Literally with Rob Lowe, produced by me, Nick Liao, with help from associate producer Sarah Bagar. Research by Alyssa Grawl, editing by Jerron Ferguson. Engineering and mixing by Rich Garcia. Our executive producers are Rob Lowe for Low Profile, Adam Sachs, Jeff Ross, and myself for Team Coco, and Colin Anderson for Stitcher. Booking by Deirdre Dodd, music by Devin Bryant. Special thanks to Hidden City Studios. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next time on Literally with Rob Lowe. Want to make mom's day? Get to your Nordstrom Rack now and score amazing deals for Mother's Day, which is Sunday, May 12th. Find tons of gifts from only $30 at Nordstrom Rack. Fragrance, jewelry, luxury bags, activewear, beauty, and more. Save on Kate Spade, New York, Stuart Weitzman, and Ted Baker, London. Great brands, great prices. So shop your Nordstrom Rack store today and treat mom to the good stuff from just $30.